Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, the no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us David Brown with DSB Leadership Group. Welcome, David. Thank you so much, Lee, for having me on the program. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Please tell us a little bit about DSB Leadership Group. How are you serving folks? Well, again, I'm honored to be here with you. And what I do and what DSB Leadership Group about is all about is really a background that I had growing up in the ministry is what I tell people, but I am a minister and spent so many years in the ministry. And when I got out of ministry a few years ago, I started looking at how can I best use my gifts and talents. And that's where DSB Leadership Group was born. DSB Leadership Group is a consulting firm that focuses on what we call leadership communication skills. So we focus on everything from executive presence to helping professionals improve their speaking ability as well as providing what we call executive coaching for our clients. So now was that a difficult transition to go from ministering to the lay person to now uh, kind of focusing in on uh, business folks and executives? It actually was a interesting transition in the sense that I spent the first almost 21 years of my career leading and consulting churches. And that was over seven churches in that time. And my specialty, Lee, was going into churches that were stagnant, that either weren't growing, they were going backwards in membership. And so I would go in and infuse faith, start training, teaching, install new leadership, and then I would move. And then when I fast forward into what I'm doing now, I look at it very much the same way. I'm going in there and helping professionals and organizations that in some ways find themselves stuck. And I try to help them through that transition. And so I I know it's different. You're going from a nonprofit faith-based into a for-profit arena, but very much the same type of goals. They want to grow. They want to be successful. They want to have the most impact they can have. And so, yeah, there is a difference, but pretty much I look at it as the same and I've enjoyed the transition. I love it. Now, do you find that maybe one of the similarities uh, in ways that you can help each of those kind of disparate groups are that you're going to help them focus in on a a true north, some kind of overarching mission or a big why? That's a great question, Lee. And I know a lot of the coaches in my space will kind of echo Simon Sinek, start with why, and they try to get their clients to look at the big picture I look at coaching in a very similar way, but I don't try to impose my beliefs, my style, or my approach. It's the old adage of how I want to be coached. I look at customizing what would be the best opportunity for my client's growth. And so sometimes that might start with the, what's the overall why for you? When in reality, for most of the clients I work with, they want to see their companies more productive. They want to see their employees happy. And so what I look at it is, how can I be the best advocate? How can I be the best partner in their success journey and let them define what success would look like? And then I come in either offering that outside perspective or I come in and offer what I call the insight that they may not see 
but overall I'm trying to champion that. And so it may begin with the, let's start with the why, but it might be something deeper than that, that ultimately is something we've got to uncover as a coach. Now, um, did a lot of your work in the past year just, um, was it around kind of being a sounding board to help them through this crisis and the challenges, maybe of feeling overwhelmed or a lot of these unknowns, like when's this going to end? Is this going to end? When is it going to end? Right. So that's a great question, Lee. And I, I will say what's really interesting because much of my business or practice is really designed around organizational training. And then when the pandemic hit and really gave us an awakening, it really shifted my business more into the executive coaching space. And it was to answer the question, what do I do? And how do I approach this? I don't want to lose my employees or I don't want to lose my market share. And so it was more navigating the ability to have the leadership or the CEO that I was coaching to say, you have to have a spirit of calmness. You have to be objective. You've got to be firm in where you want to go. And when you can tackle those tough, difficult questions, it actually calms the entire organization, the corporate culture, you could say, follows that lead of the leader. So much of my clients came more because they were curious about what to do. And I, I tell you the truth, Lee, I got more clients because of the pandemic and people didn't know what to do or where to go. But the wise thing they did, and I say this to the companies that were thriving, because there were a lot of organizations that did do well, is that these leaders took it upon themselves to say, this is the time to run towards coaching, not away from it. This is the time to embrace outside influence and not deny it. And so those clients did uh, come to me and more than I would say in the last few years, I had more clients because of that. Now, um, can you uh, maybe give some free consulting to our listeners when it comes to getting the most out of your team? Do you have some do's and don'ts? That's a great question, Lee. And the, the number one thing I would say in terms of do's and don'ts, do take the time to get to really know them learn their names, understand what drives them. And part of what my training, or at least the corporate training, I talk so much about how you can have several directors, several managers, people of the same title and role, but they're not driven the same way. They all want the company to be successful. It all reflects on them, but they want to be treated with the utmost respect. They want to feel believed in. They want to notice that they want to know that they're noticed by their leadership group. And so the first thing that I would say is know your people, get to know what they want, get to understand what gets them excited. Some people love the personalized written notes. Some understand that recognition comes in a different way, but as long as you take the time to get to know them, I believe you're going to be in the best position to help them grow. The other thing I would say is when you get to know your employees and your teams, You've got to also ask yourself, how am I instilling in them opportunities for their own growth? Where do they see themselves a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? It can't just be the overall organizational growth goals. It's got to be individual departmental goals as well. And then you, you really install opportunities for that growth, whether you bring in speakers like myself, companies that come in and train, or you give encouraging outings, or you provide opportunities for online growth or schooling support. You've got to be able to look at how do I retain my best talent? Because what COVID has exposed or this health pandemic has exposed, Lee, is that so many people are now working from home, they're working remotely, and they're exposed to other opportunities that are out there. And if you do not give them that belief, if you do not give them that support structure, they're more tempted to want to leave for something else or maybe greener pastures. 
And what I tell companies all the time is that employees leave for two reasons. They either leave because they don't love the management and they don't feel like the management believes in them or they don't believe their support or vision for their growth. Now, um, in your business, I would imagine pre-pandemic, a lot of your work was done in person, um, face-to-face with the folks you were either speaking in front of or serving. Um, now that we've kind of are living through this pandemic and a lot of the work is virtual, I would imagine that some of those skills are transferable in terms of speaking, but there is some technique and differences of um, kind of dealing with people virtually than there are when you're kind of in front of them face to face. Do you um, have any thoughts about that of how to leverage kind of the virtual aspects uh, that we're getting more and more accustomed to, uh, to grow your business? Cause I would imagine some of that is going to move forward as the pandemic wanes. Lee, I'm going to tell you, that is such a fantastic question. And I love that you brought that up. It tells me about your incredible experience and what you've gathered over the last year or so. And the truth of the matter is, is that virtual presentations, virtual meetings, they're not going to go away. They're here. And so part of my training and my coaching is helping professionals to maximize their presence online. And so some of, some of that includes learning to look into the camera and not looking down at your notes. It's, it's called making virtual eye contact. It also includes learning to speak with clarity, pronouncing words that might seem difficult, using your body language. You'll be surprised what your face will tell people that are watching you. You have that what they call resting face, and that resting face can say everything from I'm confident, I'm with you, or it can say I'm not interested in you. And so while it might seem challenging to feel like you could feed off of your audience when you're speaking and give each other that energy, you can actually manufacture it by learning to use the right, what I call body language, still using your hands, overly exaggerating in the sense of your body language, but learning to pronounce your words clearly and looking into the camera as if you're engaging someone eye to eye. So those would be some of the things that I would say. And the other thing I would do this is this is this Lee. I would encourage people to keep in mind that there are other people there on the camera or on the virtual platform meeting that may not give off the type of energy or vibe that you're looking for. So you can't react or respond to the lack of reaction that's there. You have to, in a way, believe that when you're making a point or you're making a statement, that your audience is engaged, that they're understanding it, and that they see that it's making a difference. And if you could do that, that'll keep your energy going, that'll keep you excited, and it'll keep you engaged. So yes, don't get what we call Zoom fatigued. You can stay engaged as long as you understand the use of body language, you understand the use of your own vocabulary and the power of your words. And you make the type of eye contact into the camera, it can work. And so I do believe it's not going away, Lee. It's here to stay, but we can use it in a way that I think can still engage the right audiences and still have the right results, whether you're looking for that big deal or you're trying to close the next contract, it will not go away. Now, on the clients you're dealing with and maybe prospective clients that are out there, are are there any kind of signs that they need uh, somebody from DSB leadership group uh, to have a conversation with? Are there symptoms? Are there some behaviors that maybe the organization is going through? Are there some issues that maybe a leader is dealing with where DSB is kind of the right call to make? 
That's a great question. I appreciate you asking. Before I go into what these executives might potentially ask themselves, I might give you a little bit of insight with perhaps one of my elevator pitches. When I'm in some of these meetings and depending on the audience, and you always have to really make your elevator pitch fit the audience you're speaking with. But I typically share some facet of what I'm about to share with you now. And that is that the world's greatest athletes, the world's greatest performers, all utilize coaching to get a winning edge. We here at DSB Leadership Group help provide that winning edge for you. Could you use a win? And so oftentimes these CEOs or these business owners will ask themselves, what else could I do? I feel stuck. Or could I use a coach to enhance my brand or help me to become a more effective leader? Is there something I might be missing? Because that's the great value of coaches. The number one golfer in the world, the number one tennis player in the world, the number one violinist in the world, they all use outside perspective because they might be missing something. They actually might be more naturally gravitated towards their own comfort zone. And so they need someone to be able to pull that out. They need someone to be able to bounce that off of. And so what I've found is that in the last year, more and more of these leaders have asked themselves that question, can I get more of an edge at this time? Or what more can I do if I'm feeling stuck? The other thing that I would share, Lee, is that I would ask the question simply of your best employees, are you retaining your talent? Are you retaining your best employees? And if they're losing employees or if the turnover ratio is high, I'm able to help them understand that if they invest in themselves, then they can invest in their employees. It's the old adage of if you're in the plane and the oxygen masks start to fall, put it on yourself first. You're no good to those around you that are depending on you unless you're able to get yourself the type of oxygen, the fuel, the, the incredible leadership vision that you need for yourself. Now, do you find that um, leadership is something that can be trained, that you could kind of train pretty much anybody to be a leader, or do you think it's something that you're born with? I love that. Leadership to me, while there may be some inherent traits, maybe because of the environment that you are raised in, I believe it's something that you have to grow in yourself. You have to learn. You have to go after it. I don't believe without a doubt that there are people who are quote unquote born. Now there'll be natural traits. There might be personality aspects of it, but you have to grow. And even for me as a coach, I get coached. I have a public speaking coach. I have a business coach. I have different type of influences in my life because I want to grow. And the last thing I would say, Lee, is that you have to be coachable. You have to have an aptitude for wanting to learn what it would take to become a more effective and productive leader. And if you don't have that, I would say that you're going to see your leadership or lack of leadership impact the people around you. And that's something you don't want. So it is something you have to grow in. I don't believe it's necessarily something you're born with. Uh, that's just my personal opinion and what I've seen in my life. Now, uh, before we wrap, I'd like you to share a piece of advice for a new coach that may be transitioning like you did from one arena to coaching. Uh, do you have any kind of suggestions on how to make that transition a little less painful? Yes, I would share that. Don't make the mistakes I made when I first started. <laughs> Here's the deal. If you come in assuming you know everything, you're not going to be an effective coach. If you don't grow in your own listening skills, you're not going to be an effective coach. Come in humble. Come in hungry. Don't come in with the spirit of arrogance that you have all the answers. 
dare I say, who could coach Roger Federer? Who could coach, you know, uh, Tiger Woods? You have to come in with the ability to say, I can help you improve by this percentage, by this much. I mean, even Hussein Bolt, in order to become the best sprinter, the best runner that's ever lived on the planet, had coaching to help them to slow down, in a sense, to speed up. So if you're coming in this field and you've never been a coach before, lean on your experiences. Lean on what you've learned, what you've seen, what you've done. Lean on getting someone in your own life to coach you and learn from that. And then third, stay humble. Don't come across as if you've got all the answers, but provide that value, that missing piece your client might need by seeing what they may not see and then hold them accountable to the goal that they say they wanted in the very beginning of your relationship. So that would be my thought. And if they ever want to ask me what I did, how I messed it up, I would completely divulge that information because it's helped me to become more aware of who I am, more in touch with my own flaws. And I believe that our clients love that. They want to know that we make mistakes. They want to know that we don't have all the answers under the sun. And they want to know that we're a partner and we expect them to stay vulnerable with us and stay open to us influencing them to be their very best. Now, it's funny you mentioned the word uh, or the the uh, ability to listen as kind of a key component to this. And I find it funny that, uh, you know, we're taught to read and write, but we're not taught to listen. And uh, listening is the secret sauce, I think, behind a lot of this work. I agree with you, Lee. My mother used to always say, the Lord gave us two ears <laughs> and one mouth. And she said, if you're not listening twice as much as you're speaking, you're doing a terrible job as a, as, as a leader. And I think as a parent and even as a coach, you have to be willing to listen and ask the questions that need to be asked, especially when you're listening, there's nothing there. Now, if you don't mind me adding this, Lee, I interviewed for my podcast, an air traffic controller. And she mentioned how she had to listen for the silence. I was interested right away. It piqued my curiosity. And I said, what do you mean by listening for the silence? She said, when you listen and there's no feedback, you have to be able to understand that there might be a pilot that is nervous. He's he or she are panicking or they don't know what they're doing. And so when you listen for the feedback, it gives you the understanding that they grasp what your direction is. They know what the plan is or the next step is, or you have to have to talk them through their own thought processes and get them to a position where they understand that their goal is to bring that plane and all those passengers down safely. So you've got to be able to listen and listen even when there's silence. Good stuff. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Uh, you're doing important work and we appreciate you. If there is a, a, a leader out there that wants to take their executive skills to the next level uh, with obviously a great listener. Uh, is there a website for your firm? Yes, there is. Thank you so much for asking. And thank you so much for having me on. What a true pleasure. They could go to my website. It's dsbleadershipgroup.com. And that's D as in David, S as in Sam, or my middle name, Soup. B as in Brown. So dsbleadershipgroup.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me, learn more about me, my podcast, my training, and my courses. Good stuff. Well, thank you again for sharing your story today, David. Thank you. It's been a true pleasure, Lee. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 